If you'll open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10, we'll be getting there in a moment. As we've been singing and praising God in song, in the summit service, they ended the song with Speak Jesus Over Our Lives. We've been singing about the names of Jesus here in the celebration service. And it reminds me of the importance of the name of Jesus. His name, at, at his name, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And we see all through scripture um, how important it is to describe Jesus through his name. He is wonderful counselor, the mighty God, Emmanuel, Prince of Peace, he is the Alpha and the, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is Savior, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the Holy and Anointed One. He is our Messiah, our Healer. He is the Bright and Morning Star, the Good Shepherd, the Vine. He's our Redeemer. He's our Friend. We learn a lot by the names of Jesus, don't we? But in the list of the names of Jesus, I'll be honest with you, one that I rarely use is the one I'd like to talk about today. He is the great high priest. This is a very interesting title of who Jesus is and very significant in our faith. It's so pivotal that the book of Hebrews uses this term as a jumping off point to help describe the whole purpose of the book of Hebrews. In fact, in the 13 chapters of Hebrews, nine chapters are spent on what it means that he is the high priest. Now, I'm not going to preach on nine chapters, and I know you're thankful for that. I heard an amen, and that's good. But for us to understand what the high priest is, we're, we're going to have to look back in history. Now, you know that history is one of my loves. I love looking at history. I think we learn a lot from it. And for us as Baptists, sometimes the word priest is a little foreign because we don't have them, right? Or do we? We have a belief called the priesthood of the believer. So what does that mean and how does that fit in with Jesus as the high priest? And so for us to really understand what Hebrews is trying to communicate um, in chapter 10, I want us to make sure we know what the high priest did historically. What was so important about the high priest in the Jewish faith? So the high priest was over all the other priests. Now remember, in the Jewish faith, there was one tabernacle or one temple, depending on where they were in history, but there were many priests. Do you know that there were 12 tribes, right? And one of the tribes, the Levi tribe, was set aside as the priestly tribe. And God called them and said, you are mine. I've, I've set you apart in this whole tribe. You are mine. They don't have land. They don't have anything. When you, when you read about, about them, they were set apart and were for God's use in the temple. And so the high priest was over all of those priests. He was held personally responsible 
for the welfare of the community. In fact, if someone killed another person accidentally, an accidental death, do you know that the high priest was held responsible for that crime? And so that's why there were these cities, these sanctuary cities. And if they could get to a sanctuary city, then they would be safe. And they wouldn't be killed because, you know, in the Bible, it says an eye for an eye, right? And so if it was an accidental death, if they could get to a sanctuary city, then they would be under the protection of that priest. You know what happened when the high priest died? They were free and able to leave the sanctuary city and go back to their home. Do you know why? Because that death was the sacrifice that was paid for that sin. Isn't that fascinating? The high priest was the one that people came to for counsel. He could prophesy for the Lord. He also shared all the duties of the other priests. So what were those duties during the year? Daily sacrifices, the bread sacrifice, sin sacrifices were were being brought. Reading scripture from the sacred scrolls, leading in worship on Sabbath days, directing the feasts, to remind the people of what God has done. These were the roles of the high priest. So when we look at the priest's job and we look at at not only the high priest's job, but all of the priests, you can look at him from two perspectives, from roles and from function. And that's important for us today because when Jesus comes in, he takes away many of the roles of the priest because he is the high priest and we're in a new covenant. So those roles like killing animals for sacrifice no longer needed, right? But the function of the priest is still important. And there's still a call for us to fulfill that function. So I think it's important for us to know what those are so that we can understand as we come to scripture how important it is to know what a priest is and where we fit in God's plan. So here are some of the things that a priest's functions are. To gather people together and remember the acts of God. They use that through the festivals and feasts, through Sabbath worship. Another function of a priest was to help people hold fast to their belief in God, to remind them of the character and nature of who God is. They did this through reading of scripture. The third is to help people repent and seek forgiveness. That was done through sacrifices. This was in order to draw people closer to God. Sin separates us from God. Sacrifices covers those sins. But this system was really never enough. It never covered over all the sins. By the time you got to the temple or the tabernacle and brought your sacrificial lamb and you were walking home, you sinned again and it wasn't covered. So they enacted Yom Kippur, 
It's the Day of Atonement. Now, am I losing you? Is this so much history that you're like, oh my word, is he going to get to the Bible? Is he going to get to the sermon? I promise this is my last point. And then we get to scripture. Isn't that awesome? But it's so important to have this basics down because if we don't have this down, we will miss the beauty of what God is trying to communicate to us. So Yom Kippur is the day of atonement. It happens once a year. And you've probably heard this. This is when the, the, the high priest goes into the Holy of Holies. One time a year he goes in and he gives this sacrifice and he pours the blood upon the mercy seat. And that is to cleanse the whole nation of all of their sins for the whole year. Now it was so, so holy to walk into the Holy of Holies that the high priest spent weeks before preparing himself to go into the Holy of Holies through purification, through all sorts of things to just prepare and to make sure that he was, he was cleansed as much as he could be. In fact, they would tie a rope around his ankle so that when he walked into the Holy of Holies, if he had not done what he should have done and a holy God kills him on the spot, no one could walk in there to take him back. So they just pulled him out. That's how serious it was to go in front of a holy God. And so at this Yom Kippur, they would have this, this time where they would pour over blood on the mercy seat, which was on the, the Ark of the Covenant. It was at the top of the Ark of the Covenant. And they would pour it over the mercy seat. And this was to, to, to ask the Lord for mercy. And the blood of that innocent animal would give cleansing for all the sins of the previous year. But just like when we go to the temple every day and offer a sacrifice, what happens just moments after that sacrifice has been given? We sin again. And we start the whole process over again. It's never enough. It's like being behind the eight ball all the time. Always wanting to be cleansed, but never being completely cleansed. This was the history, and this was the plight of a priest desperately wanting the people to draw near to God but knowing that their sin would separate them. And so Christ comes in and his covenant is different. And we see something so beautiful because we are not behind the eight ball anymore, but we are living in the truth of being forgiven forever the sins that we've committed. This is great news. And so when we come to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11, this is what the author is wanting us to capture. Let's read verse 11 together. Every priest stands day after day ministering and offering the same sacrifices time after time, which can never take away sins. We just talked through that, right? 
but verse 12. But this man, Jesus, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Why is Jesus the great high priest? Why is he better than any other high priest that has come before? Because his sacrifice, his death, was once and for all. What a gift we have. Do you realize that when it says that he is seated at the throne, it means it's finished. He doesn't have to get up every time we sin and say, oops, I better go kill something else. It's done. It's complete. It's finished. Church, that's exciting. We do not have to fear or wonder or walk in guilt because his forgiveness is complete. I'm so thankful for that. This is so powerful, church, because what this is saying is he, Jesus Christ, the high priest, is higher than any other plan or system that has ever come before, that he is sufficient, that his sacrifice covers all. And this allows us to walk with confidence and boldness before his throne. That we can come before him not worried and fearful. Will he forgive? Or have I done the biggest sin that he can no longer forgive me? No. His, sin, his sacrifice has perfected us. That is such a gift. Let's keep reading. Therefore, verse 19, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, therefore, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, does this sound familiar to you? Would you do me a favor and just flip over a couple of chapters to Hebrews 4? Just flip real quickly to Hebrews 4. Verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we can receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The high priest poured blood on the mercy seat for the people saying, Lord, have mercy on us. Jesus, our great high priest, died in his sacrifice, has covered our sins. We do not have to walk with fear and trembling, but with boldness to know that he will forgive us our sins. And he will give us the grace and mercy that we need in our time of desperate need. Our realization that we are sinners, unable to measure up to what God desires for us to be. And yet he forgives and covers us. All right, flip back, chapter 10. 
verse 19 going into 20 because it's a complete sentence. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain that is through his flesh. Now, what does that mean? Does any remember what happened when Jesus died on the cross? What happened in the temple? The curtain was torn. And how was it torn? From the bottom up? No, from the top down. Why is that important? It wasn't a little curtain that you covered your windows at home. This was a very big, huge, tall curtain. And it came from the top up, symbolizing that God was tearing it down. And he was making a way, a new way to reach him. And where is that curtain? It was the curtain to the Holy of Holies. Who got to go into the Holy of Holies? One person, one time a year. The Holy of Holies was where the high priest went and the curtain was torn and we now have access to God through Jesus Christ. Not one day a year, but every minute of every day. This is good news, church. All right, let's keep going. And since verse 21 And since we have a great high priest over the house of God. Now this is important. Jesus is the high priest and he's over the house of God in heaven. Remember how we talked about that nothing can separate us from the love of God, right? That once once he has died, that we now have complete access every day to Jesus. But Jesus is sitting where? In heaven. At the right hand of God. Nothing separates him from the Father, right? They are one. They're unified. And so because of that, he is over the high priest, over the house of God. There is no separation there as well. The high priests of old, they had to go through many weeks to purify themselves just to go in one time a year. Christ is unified with the Father. There is never separation from them. This is so powerful. This is why he is the great high priest over all other priests. The last thing I'm just going to barely touch on, and as I touch on it, may I say, those who love to get in deep and get in the weeds, this would be a great study for you going through Hebrews chapter 2 through chapter 10. But in chapter 7, it talks about how Jesus was, was from the line of Melchizedek. And that there was a priest, Melchizedek, in the Old Testament. You need to go and read about that. Here's the significant part of that. He was a king and a priest. And the Old Testament prophesied that there would be a day that there would be a king and a priest that would be the same and would come and save the world, the Messiah. And Jesus, as the high priest, is king of kings and lord of lords, and he is our high priest. He is both of those. And so that is why that's important and why he is better than any other high priest. And so why that is important to mention right here, just at the very end, is because in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says that we are called as a chosen race, a royal priesthood. 
Have you ever wondered why they put royal priesthood together, that that's what we're called to? It's because we're in the same line as Melchizedek, and then Jesus, the high priest, the king, and the priest. And Peter says, we, as a church, are called in that priesthood. Have you ever wondered why we talk about the priesthood of the believer? Here is one of the biblical markers for what that's trying to communicate. And a lot of times when we hear that term, priesthood of the believer, we talk about, well, that means you don't have to go to a priest to, to ask for forgiveness, that you have direct access to the Lord. And there's, there's truth to that. We have direct access to God. But also, being a royal priesthood comes with responsibilities. We as a church have responsibilities to be a light to the world, to communicate to the world who Christ is. And church, that I think sometimes we miss. We miss what our calling is as church people. So that's really where I want to spend the rest of the time is looking at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 through 25. The author is reminding us that Jesus is the high priest and we are priests underneath him. And so he's calling us to do priestly things. Verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed in pure water. The priest's function was to help people draw near to God through sacrifices, for them to gain purity, for them to be near Him. We as believers are called to help people see how to draw near to God. We draw near to God so that we can show others how to draw near to him. Church family, if you think your Christianity is about your good, you're missing the beauty of God's plan. Christianity is about showing the world the goodness of God. Having a, a personal relationship with Christ is so that we can be used by Christ to declare his glory to the nations. The priests were called and set apart and God said, they are mine. When you accept Christ in your heart, you are called, you are set apart. And he says, you are mine. We have a function and a role and we miss the joy of working alongside Christ if all we think is, is that Christianity allows me to go to heaven and not hell. Christianity is so much more than that. We are called to draw near to God and to show the world how they can draw near to him as well. What's the next verse? Verse 23, let us hold to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who has promised is faithful. He's calling us to hold fast 
to our confession. The priests of old would spend time reading scripture and reminding the Israelites of all that God had done and calling them to hold fast to that, to stay strong and committed to the God of their fathers, Abraham, Isaac. We as believers have that same calling for us to hold fast to our confession. And how do we hold fast to that? Is it based on our faithfulness to God? Praise be to the Lord, it's not. Because I'm not faithful. I mess up and fail. It's on God's faithfulness. We hold fast to our confession because God is faithful to us. God sent his son to die for our sins. It's not by our works lest anyone should boast, but it is him. And so when we get in difficult situations, if you're like me, sometimes I forget and I get derailed and frustrated and wonder where is God in the midst of all this? And we, as a body of believers, as royal priesthood, we encourage one another in our faith. And we tell the story of how God has been faithful. And that's what strengthens the church. That's what gives a light to the world. It's okay for you to doubt. It's not okay for you to be alone. God calls us into community for a purpose and a reason so that when we begin to doubt, the body comes around and reminds us of his faithfulness. This is a great calling, church. And it can only happen if we follow the next verse. And let us watch out for one another. Spur one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other all the more as you see the day approaching. He is calling us to gather together. He's calling us to encourage one another. Christianity is not a one-man or woman sport. It's a team sport. You have to rely on your team. There are always days that you may have weakness, but together in community, you can spur one another on to love and good deeds. Do not neglect, do not neglect the gathering. It is so important. Church, it is so important. And, and here's the deal. It's not just important for your faith. It's important for the faith of the person sitting next to you. So many times we think it's okay for us to miss church. It's okay, I'll have my quiet time during the week. 
It's okay. There's other things that are going on. I know I'm stepping on toes. That's why I only get to preach once or twice a year. But church, we come to church not just for our benefit. We come for the community and the community's benefit. Here's the thing. God is calling us to help others draw near to him. Maybe your story, just your presence, just your face in the sanctuary, in your Sunday school will be enough to remind someone of the faithfulness of God because they know your story. If you're not here, that can't happen. Maybe, maybe the reason that you've come to church is because in your small groups in Sunday school, you'll be talking about something and you'll share something and that will cause someone to, to be reminded of a passage of scripture that they wouldn't have thought Maybe just you grabbing someone in the hall and saying, I'm praying for you. Maybe you're supposed to do that to someone else. Technology is a great thing. There are reasons why people can't make it every week. I know that. I know that there's been people that are in the hospital and we're so thankful that they can watch online. We're so thankful if that's what you're doing. But if it's just convenience, there's so much that happens here on campus that can't happen through a TV screen. So church, don't neglect the gathering. As some of us are in the habit of doing because there is value of the community spurring one another on to love into good deeds. Why do we do this? It says to encourage each other all the more as you see the day approaching. What day is that? Christ's return. The days are getting harder. We need to be together and remind ourselves that it's worth it because in the end, Christ is victorious. The days are getting harder. We need to get together and remind each other of what God has done. In the past, in the Bible, in our lives, in the lives of our families, in the lives of our grandparents, we need to tell the story that strengthens us and helps us hold fast to our confession. How important it is for us to be together, to strengthen one another in our faith. How important it is for you to strengthen those around you. We don't know what God is calling us to this week. But he does. And he knows how to use his people to give a word of encouragement, of hope, to spur them on to loving good deeds. But that can only happen if you're both in the same room. It's so important. So when we think about love and good deeds, I can't help but think of the four things that we at First Baptist are trying to make sure every disciple is involved in. Do you know what those are? 
love God. Love people. Serve the body and serve the world. Or as Hebrews says, spur one another on to love. Love God and people and good deeds. Serve the body, serve the world. It's not just a fun thing that we just sat in a room and said, what can we come up with? It's actually from God's word. We, as the body of Christ, need to be encouraging one another to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Pastor Noel talked about that just last Sunday. And then, in Scripture, we see how he's created us with gifts to serve the church. Everyone in this room who is a member of this church should be serving somewhere. That's what we were called to do. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are called to do good things, which he has planned before in advance for us to do. Every member of this church should have a place to serve. So the question is, and you've seen it on the videos time and time again this, this, this spring and, and summer, how do you serve? How do you serve? You see people talking about how they serve and then they ask the question, how do you serve? So that's a question you've got to ask yourself. We are called a royal priesthood We have responsibilities and functions. What are you doing for God's kingdom? And church, how are you spurring one another on to love and good deeds? This is 101 in the Christian language and the Christian heart. It's so important. Let's just imagine for just a moment if you were the only believer in the world. If the world only had one Christian to declare the goodness of God, the message would become diluted and unrecognizable. Our failure, our sin, would quickly refute the declaration of a loving and holy God. But if a community, though flawed, continues to declare the holiness, loving kindness of God, and they do not hide their sin, but the world sees the church acknowledging their failures, confessing and receiving forgiveness from God and from the church. Then the glory of God and his son, the great high priest who takes away the sins of the world can truly be seen in all of its splendor. It takes a community of priests to show the world God's great love and his goodness. We cannot do it on our own. We were not called to be a one-person sport. We were called to be in a team. May we not forget that. 
So what is the Lord calling you to today? He's calling us to draw near to him. He's calling us to hold fast to our confession. He's calling us to spur one another on to love and to good deeds. Where are you? What is your response? If you don't have a personal relationship with the Lord, why delay? His death was complete and covers all of your sin. All you have to do is accept his gift. Why not today? Maybe you have been a member of this church for many, many years and you've just been sitting in a pew and you realize I need to serve. Why not now? There are so many places in the church that needs help. There's so many places outside the church that needs to be a light. We are called a royal priesthood to go and be a light in the world. What is God calling you to do today? Don't delay. It's so easy to hear a message and to get your your toes stepped on and to walk away and get a good dessert and be done with it. Don't miss the opportunity to change how you do life. May God receive glory in how we live each day for as long as he lets us stay here as his priests. Will you pray with me? Father God, you are such a good God. We love you. We thank you that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. You are our Savior. You're our Redeemer. You are our friend. And you are the great high priest who has taken away the sins of the world by your sacrifice once and for all. Father, you've called us. You've called us. May we respond to your calling. In your son's name we pray. Amen.